right, here we go. It's episode week number three, episode number, I don't even know what we would call it, episode four or five. So many episodes. We did the previews shows and all that stuff, but week three of the season starts up. We are digging for wisdom. That's Matt Diggs, the good professor. I'm Ward. You can call me Wizzy if you see me, or at least just talk to me, because I like to chop it up. I like to chop it up at games about Dallas-Fort Worth football, because it's so interesting. I mean... The, the good thing about last week, both of us were in agreement that we thought Highland Park was going to lose. They didn't lose. They held down home field advantage. And we don't feel terrible about being wrong because people know we're making, you know, we're making educated thoughts and guesses on what we thought happened. And that's just the wonderment, wonderment of Texas high school football. Things are going to happen that you don't expect. So, I mean, I see you over there smiling. I'm not all, oh, man, we said we were going to win by 17, and they lost by three. So I'm not, I'm not smiling. I'm just thinking now you, you've pulled out two weeks of clips uh, over our last two weeks now. And these clips, I yeah, I did couch it a little bit. I'm like, well, you know, if this, then this, you know, it, it was a, a great sales job to where I could probably justify it in, in, in hindsight. Uh, but obviously the main point of those two clips were that DeSoto was going to have to play, play a competitive game against Allen and that Lake and that, uh, uh, oh, that other team. That Lewis going to roll. I see. I've already forgot about Louisville. I'm so mad at them. I just don't just just They're going in the eight six a fire bin. We're just firing everybody there. And you know, so much you know came out of that game. And really, now I think Highland Park is a legitimate state championship contender because they are definitely going Division two. And the way Division two works out, they're going to have a very tough second round game against either McKinney or Denton Geyer. But after that, then you're looking at DeSoto. And do you ever really want to bet if Randy Allen makes it to a DeSoto game? Do you really want to bet against Randy Allen to figure out DeSoto and figure out a way to stop him with the tools that he, he's he got? I mean, Lake Highlands is a legitimate state championship contender now. And watching them against – and I always joke about this. You know, that I see them scrimmage against Plano East every single year. And they look good, but Plano East looks like they're about the same kind of team that – uh, like that uh, Highland Park is, and all of a sudden Highland Park is a state championship contender and Plano East wins one game. And I'm just like, what happened in that, you know, in that 16 to 17 weeks? But Randy Allen has got such a tight grip over that program and he understands it. And and I'm going to let you kind of, you couch it, but you sent me a text message that was very, I think, yeah. foretelling this past week. Well, I, I don't really want to do this because it's very it's 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 looks good on Pat Doney and that kind of stuff gets his head big as heck. But I was driving to my game and Pat called me up and he was like, hey, who, what do you think about the game I'm at? Because he was at Louisville Highland Park. And I said, I think Louisville by 14 to 17, somewhere in that range. He said, I don't think it's going to be close because he went and did pregame stuff with both teams. And Randy Allen, you know, very candidly said, I am pleasantly surprised about this team they're better than i thought they were after week one you don't hear that from randy allen he knows where his teams are when he goes into the game and he knows what he's going to do with his teams going into a season and he said coming out of week one man i am really surprised at how good this team is and, and he he smiled and you don't see him smiling that all too terribly much he put on a smile dare i say and said his team and he's excited about this team and it's like we said in our pre stuff i mean he's we were always talking about how Randy Allen's one foot out the door. Well, he'd be both feet out if he thought his team wasn't going to be good. And it's, he's both feet in. And and they showed it. They got that early lead and, and held it down and hold on to that home Highlander Stadium advantage that they have there. So it was very impressive. 
I hate to give Pat the credit because I'll never hear the end of it, but that's he heard that and that's what he said. So that was while in, in I got game. that text message, I was getting worried. I was like, oh boy. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you never hear that. I mean, that, that, like you said, you never hear that out of, out of Randy Allen. He's always looking for that. You know, we got to get better. You know, he's always coach speak, you know, and in the, in the way it came across the tone I read it was he was a giddy. He's excited. Yeah. Like he's excited about this team. He's excited to coach almost kind of reminds me of coach Buchanan, you know, right before he retired, kind of knowing I got something special. And if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with a bang on top and have fun. And I'm not saying that, you know, Highland Park is going to ride off into the sunset with the state championship, but that'd be a kind of a nice fairy tale ending as far as that goes. And another mistake I'm about to make is I'm going to give you credit. And the clip I did pull off, you did say that things that rang in my ears, you said, because Duncanville would and DeSoto would, and you're right. Those teams would have went in there and did what they had to do against Highland Park because that's where they are as far as 6A football, and, and Louisville is still at that point where they're, you know, Coach Otis probably this week saying, okay, we may not be at that point yet, but we can work on it and maybe be there after week 10. You know, I think he has to hope on that, but I think they have to do a lot of soul searching. When you really dig into that uh, box score and, and you really look at it at a granular level and, and you talk to some of the fans, there was a lot of questionable play calling uh, as far as Louisville being, you know, a team you really run behind. It, that offensive line might be the strength of their team, and you really didn't see them piecing together those five, six, seven straight runs. And again, this is the time you can try try to work things out, but I don't know if you really want to tinker in a statement game like that, but I mean, Coach Odell might be looking at it as a tinkering process still and minimizing the impact of just one game. Obviously, I think if Louisville can, uh, you know, settle things down, I still don't see them, you know, competing with a Duncanville or DeSoto, depending on how things go, because the way 6-6-A is shaking out, there's at least a mathematical possibility that Louisville might go Division II. Uh, and again, that gets back down there with Highland Park and Denton Geyer and, and DeSoto. And, and Division II is not much easier this year. And even South Lake Carroll is looking like a, more of a Division II team. Uh, but I think Louisville definitely has a lot of, you know, really growth. Who are they? They have to figure out their identity. Highland Park knew exactly who their identity was they strapped it out with Warren Peck and they excelled in Louisville I think they had a lot of questions yeah you know what I was thinking about as we we're sitting down to uh, record the show this past week and I was looking over the rundown and I was like man my first three games are just just were just fabulous games where the and introduced us to quarterbacks that we didn't really know about Warren Peck you just talked about at Highland Park obviously Alito ends up beating Geyer in what could be the game of the year so far, but it, it introduced us to Logan McLaughlin, who threw such such great deep balls. If you saw those deep balls, they were just a thing of art and well-placed, and, and that game went right back and forth. And then the third game was the Mansfield-Mansfield Summit, and that's another one I was going to question you on because after the first half because I was like, man, you think about Mansfield teams, and most of Mansfield ISD except for maybe uh, Lake Ridge, you think about those teams and it's always a running powered offense. You know, Mansfield was good. They had Saeed Adebo and they had Steph, Stephen T Taylor running the ball and all that, but you never thought about a quarterback that could early air it out. First half was sent, showing me the same thing. And then out of nowhere, Van Cleve came crazy in the second half and was just throwing with pinpoint accuracy all over the place. And he took some hits Boy, they hit him hard in the first half, the summit defense, and he still got up and, and led them back. And then they lost the lead. He brought them back, lost the lead again, brought them back again. So three banger games, three introduced us to three new quarterbacks. I mean, you had to like what you saw last week and as far as just quality of games. 
Well, you might be seeing quality games. Yeah, I, I, was, I was doing the math this week, and I've, I've been to six games. The average margin of my six games is 31 points. And uh, Plano East is actually bringing the margin down a little bit, uh, and they've had two blowout wins. Uh, and, you know, just the average, you know, I go see Gunter and Walnut Grove not knowing what I'm going to see, and I see a 40-point blowout, you know, and Rockwall and Cedar Hill, that was a blowout. And uh, Toller and, uh, and Peaster, that was a blowout. So I, I find – and the best game was College Station Lovejoy uh, of, of the six I've seen. And that game was even Lovejoy pretty much blew them out. College Station got a little couple of late window tra- uh, dressing touchdowns. Uh, but across the area, I'm just picking the wrong games, apparently. You're right. And, you know, you know, just a quick hitter on that Mansfield game. A lot of people are looking at Summit and thinking, well, Summit lost to Mansfield. What does that say about them? They're punching up two divisions when they're playing that game. And mm-hmm. Mans- I think that speaks more to Mansfield and how good they yeah. are. Now, obviously, there's a big gap between Mansfield and DeSoto and Duncanville. Uh, but I think they're extending the gap between them and Waxahachie or Cedar Hill uh, for that third spot. And if they get good, I mean, that they they go three, four deep. I remember you talking about in a couple of our shows that Mansfield really wanted that rematch against DeSoto last year. They just didn't have the injuries. And they thought that if they had a second game and they were you know, healed up, they could have uh, you know, given them a good game. So if they can stay, and that's kind of been Mansfield's knock, if they can stay healthy, keep their frontline players good, they're, you know, they're top 15, top 12 kind of a team. And if they have the right kind of a game and maybe get a couple of things go their way, they're a team that can be very dangerous. Yeah, I didn't walk away from that game, like you said, sour on Summit because I, I thought Summit played a hell of a first half. Second half, they were bit because uh, they Manfield scored. And then the, the kickoff is one of those short kickoffs that bounces backwards and it, it catches your return man in, in its tracks and you know, some or Mansfield kind of converts on the ball and got it and scored right away. And all of a sudden, the momentum changes hit. But one thing I did see, which I didn't realize, I don't know if you brought it up or not, is that Summit's using two quarterbacks as well. Uh, and and they got a quarterback in there. Uh, the guy that did well, which Demarius Bird, they both did well. But he went for three series, and then they went back and forth between another guy. And I was like, uh-oh, I don't know if Diggs needs to see this Summit team quite yet until we either figure out who the starter is full ways or – or if he's ready to go off after for having two QBs, but they did have two. Look, we got district play starting for some teams this week. So we're going to change it up the format this year, this week and and start talking about districts and some of the games that are going to be happening with teams in the district. And you brought up Lovejoy. Lovejoy's taking on North Crowley. I mean, right off the bat, that's our game of the week. We didn't know what to expect from it last year because we were still getting introduced to North Crowley. We know what North Crowley is now. We know what Lovejoy is now. Man, to me, this game seems like a game that it's whoever makes a stop in that fourth quarter may come out on top. Yeah, it can really go either way because when you look at the knock on Lovejoy over the last couple of years, when they play a team like South Oak Cliff, when they even played last year, play North Crowley, uh, even when they've played Melissa at times, they have a hard, you know, when it almost kind of reminds me of Coppell at times, when they are good, they are great and and they can fly high and, and they look beautiful and the offense is going. But when it starts to bog down a little bit, when you start getting hit in the mouth and, and, and that doesn't work and you have to deal with press coverage, and you have athletes who can stay with you and your three receivers are not just running down, you know, uncovered and you actually have to make contested catches. And now with Parker Livingstone, you know, he was in a boot at the end of that game. Although I heard some positive things that it might just be more precautionary. We still don't know about him, but obviously they still have a couple of really good receivers over there at Lovejoy nonetheless. 
I think this is a test for both teams because this is going to be the first time that North Crowley has had an efficient, well-coached offense going against that defense. And, and how well will that defense uh, handle up? You know, when you're, when you're playing Arlington, Sam Houston and Arlington, the eight, six, a, we've already kind of said, you know, that, that that's a district we're a little bit sour on right now. And now they're playing their first team. So this is their first real good test. This is also, I think Lovejoy's first test, not necessarily uh, because college station and Argyle are not good teams, but this is their state championship test that, you know, we kind of gave Louisville that moniker that this is their state championship test against Highland Park. And we want style points on top of that for Lovejoy. They can lose this game. And I still think have a good state championship test because again, we're punching up two two divisions kind of mm-hmm. like summit did against uh, Mansfield last week. So I, I expect North Crowley to win this game, but I'm looking for a couple of things from Lovejoy. The physicality of the offensive line versus the defensive line battles on both sides. Are they going to be able to compete in the trenches with North Crowley, get hit and be able to get back up? How are you going to uh, resolve after a couple of turnovers? Because North Crowley has the kind of playmakers who will steal a interception on you, who will force a fumble despite your best intentions on that. And then finishing, you know, in in the fourth quarter and and having to play a 48-minute game, can they play a complete 48-minute game with their top line players because a lot of times last year they're you know subbing in and I almost remember that Argyle game last year they start out so fast you know it was like 42 42 at halftime or whatever it was and then in the second half it really bogged down and I think both teams just got completely gassed and completely exhausted so get this love joy have that 48 minute thing and that that is a big thing because you saw that with Rockwell this past week Uh, that Rockwell got out on the big lead against Jesuit and didn't have that 48 minute ability to play at a high level with the first team that long because they're subbing so much uh, and, you know, rotating and doing that. And when you have to get your top players in there for 48 minutes, do they have the constitution to do this? I think, it's going to be a lower scoring game than we expect because Lovejoy's defense is a little bit underrated, but I think, uh, and again, there's like two levels of what we consider a low scoring game. You know, I, you know, some people, if I call this game a 35 to 28 game, they're going to say, well, that's not low scoring. Go look at, you know, go look at Rockwall Jesuit, go look at Denton Guy or Alita. Those are some high scoring games. I don't think we're going to get uh, to that level, but I think North Crowley will win a 35 to 28 kind of a game that will speak well in a loss to their ability to compete with South Oak Cliff and Mansfield summit. Now, if we, we see a final that's like 42 to seven or something, then again, I think it's time to tap the brakes and it speaks very well to North Crowley and their ability to have a dominant run this year. Yeah. North Crowley's like you said, the defense is finally going to have to have a little competition. They beat their first two opponents with eight touchdowns each game. So they, you know, they could take a playoff or two and then thinking it's amazing what a year makes because you you think about last year and Lovejoy losing North Crowley and most of us were disappointed in seeing that because we didn't know what North Crowley was and it's a testament to how Ray Gates has got this program going because now you're saying you're talking about if Lovejoy loses as long as they don't lose bad well last year they didn't lose bad they lost 28-20 and we still kind of felt bad about them and they lost that one on the road but it's it's like you said it's no it's no dig on Lovejoy it's just the way North Crowley's got that program going they're a, a legitimate 6A squad playing powerful 6A games uh and they're going to need that because this district play uh, starts the following week for them and you know some of these teams in district have really caught my eye I know Crowley has caught my eye but boy Boswell's really caught my eye I mean, the points they're scoring they're averaging over 60 a game in the first two games they're not playing world beaters but when you lose your coach, it's you. You think that you have to take a little bit of a step back, but Bosch was really playing some good ba- uh, football. I almost said basketball. 
Well, they maybe, maybe like good basketball too. You know, you know, Sawyer Farr is it wasn't on the team anymore. It's like Parker Polk. We just expect him to be there forever, and, and they've done nothing but just continue to to step up and and have a great offensive uh, performances with the quarterback, the running back game. Uh, they look really, really good, and and I think and I'm starting to see a split in District Three Six A. I'm starting to see that that gap between the top four and and you know the the contenders of LD Bell and Weatherford who you know are going to have to play above their pay grade a lot better than they have this past uh you know past couple of weeks especially ld ld bell is 2-0 uh but you know they're less impressive in this 2-0 than they were last year in their 2-0 and then we got weatherford that you know we they looked good against keller central and then all of a sudden they get hit in the mouth by richardson pierce and we start to wonder about them I still like Euless Trinity. You know, I still think Euless Trinity right there is a good team uh, to keep an eye on. But Boswell is that team that, you know, they haven't played anybody yet. Uh, so, you know, they have to have one of those uh, meaningful games in a meaningful moment to really catch my eye. But but if you're, you got to play the schedule that's in front of you. And I like that the, they're playing that schedule in impressive ways. Uh, Lake Ridge, they beat them you know, so impressively this past year. And I think that speaks to their ability to compete at a high level in this district yeah and they got Holtham this week so I don't know how much of a challenge that's going to uh, get them but we'll see once district play starts that should be interesting vibe there and boy I'd, I'd love to see LD Bell challenge for that but uh, where, where are we, we you talked about them a little bit where are we putting them right now they, they haven't been impressive in their wins we both said they would should be able to at least challenge for that playoff spot but man I feel like backing off a little bit you know, I think right now I probably have them five, six in that district, you know, and, and I'm very concerned about them just because they have no offense. You know, they got six turnovers against Irving MacArthur uh, and only still managed 13 points and, you know, or 16 points. They had three field goals and a touchdown and like 150 yards. And when you have go plus five on the turnover battle and you're playing or, and we're talking about Woodrow Wilson the week before scored five touchdowns against Irving MacArthur. So that really speaks uh, to what I would consider an offensive ineptitude and one thing I, I really want to highlight you know you kind of downplayed Haltom a little bit and if for for all the right reasons but Haltom has been good in their losses I mean they yeah. played Richland to the fight they they were throwing in the end zone to potentially win that game that game against Everman the week before I, I thought the score was a little bit closer than I expected and then you see Stephenville beat Hall oh she saw Stephenville beat Everman uh, which kind of you know calibrates them to not a significantly their offense looks pretty good uh, right now so so Haltom could give a little bit of a test to uh, to Boswell. And it's going to be one of those games that if Boswell wins, you know, 56 to 35 or something, we're still going to speak well of, of Boswell and, and say, hey, you know, they're, they're looking really good. But Haltom is going to be competitive in yeah. these games. And, and I'm really excited about watching their growth uh, the, this this year so far because uh, they're sneaky good. They're sneaky good in a bad way. I don't see them making the playoffs in, in 4-6-A, right. uh, but they're going to be more competitive. And if you mess around and overlook them, they have the talent to uh, overcome a, uh, a poor a poor performance on their opponent's part. Yeah, and, and I watched some of their highlights last night, and what I noticed was they play physical too, which is you, you go into a game against Haltman, you think you have something going there, all of a sudden you get popped in the mouth, and you like, okay, uh, we got to wake up and, and play some ball here because they're out here to play. Uh, let's move on to 4A. Uh, Timber Creek's got a nice battle with Capel. I mean, we're going to have cameras at that game. It's kind of to see where these two teams are. Wouldn't you say it's one of those type games? 
You know, I I think, and when we're looking at timber, I wish we were talking about 4A ward. You you kind of teased me there. Like, oh, oh, we're going to go off script, and we're going to start talking about Panther Creek, and we're going to get Anna and Salina. And uh, and I saw very earlier in the in the show, you're very you you called it uh, the DFW, or you don't like calling it North Texas, but you don't want to talk about Decatur, you don't want to go out at your circle. I do like that. talking about Decatur. It's just a little bit of a journey for me now that we're not doing the country roads. Uh, the, the country roads are always open in our heart, uh, yeah. but you are right. This is a proving ground game for, for both Timber Creek and Coppell. And, you know, Timber Creek, obviously, with uh, Dozy, our guy, uh, Dozy Izukanma, uh, Anderson Lewis, you got to they got to figure out a lot of I mean, on one hand, you can say they have good quarterback depth and they have good running back depth. But I always look at you got to have that one player uh, in there in Coppell, man, this is Coppell is a team that is a head scratcher because they're going to make everybody look good, but their offense is really, really good. Coppell kind of reminds me of Lovejoy three years ago, you know, as they're trying to figure out that identity, they're just going to have to outscore everybody. Uh, Edward Griffin is one of those quarterbacks. You mentioned the three quarterbacks at the start of the show uh, that obviously were impressive. Edward Griffin, his first two weeks is very impressive. And what I'm most impressed by is his efficiency. You know, he is not throwing incomplete passes. He went 20 for 23 this past week against South uh, Grand Prairie and South Grand Prairie has a really good defense so that tells me that he is reading the game very well he's not looking to force the ball down the field he's not making mistakes uh, and he's using his multiplicity of receivers uh, to his uh, benefit uh, Luca Luca Grossoli and Baron Tipton are are there but what Coppell cannot do is they can't run the ball very well I saw them making an intentional effort I think their coach was watching our podcast and saying we can't run the ball digs we're going to run the ball 40 times this past week and even in doing that Xavier Mosley had a nice game but he didn't have the kind of game where you know you, you would expect you know a, a good running powerhouse and then on the defensive side of the ball they're giving up eight yards a run to a South Grand Prairie team that's not known for running the ball and they did it against Saxey and it's what kept them in the game and if a team can consistently get eight to ten yards running the ball against you they're just going to keep hammering it down your throat and they're going to stay in the game so Timber Creek I think is going to stay in this game because of Coppell's defensive inefficiencies but I think Coppell is going to find a way to win in the same format that they've found a way to win against uh, against Saxe and then last week uh, against South Grand Prairie. I think they're going to find a way to win this game, but it's one of those things. They're going to be playing everybody close. You know, you're going to see a Coppell playing a West game, you know, that's 52 to 45 with Plano hmm. West sticking in it because Coppell is going to have to be perfect in offense. And the first time they have a couple of uh, turnovers in a game, you could see them get, get upset in a game they're not supposed to lose, but I expect them to handle timber creek in a very competitive very close game if they do those things i talk about you got to avoid the turnovers you got to avoid the special team errors but so far they've been very efficient in doing that the, the rest of the districts has some interesting games but it, the one that kind of sticks out of south lakes heading out to cedar hill uh you you try to put cedar cedar hill's trying desperately to get back on the map after destroying martin but you know me and you still have the taste of Rockwall doing whatever they want. And I think we both think South Lake may be probably better than Rockwall. So who knows? Even though that's on the maybe, road. Maybe you <laughs> even, think even South Lake is maybe better than Rockwall. Even Lord, though that's on the road. <laughs> even though that's on the road, uh, Graham Knowles and them should probably not have much problem have a field day out there in Longhorn Land. You know, it, it, you know, we I've Cedar Hill's one of those teams that I'm just looking at and going. What what is Cedar Hill and uh, 
props to Nick Ward and that coaching staff for building them back up. Because even if even if Arlington Martin is worse than we expected and is down, that's a team that has a lot of worse than we expected. That's for sure. They're definitely worse than we expected. Go ahead. They they are they are down and a little bit worse than we expected. Uh, But you know, Cedar Hill got up for that and they dominated them. So that shows me that they are very well coached over there. And and they they took a setback. They got hit in the face. And those coaches coached them up and said, "We're going on to the next." week we're going to move on we can make the playoffs I believe in you and he is instilling that sense of belief in them obviously these three games that they're playing uh, against Rockwall Cedar Hill and Arlington Martin they're or, oh, they're not playing Arlington Martin South Lake Carroll and Rockwall uh, they're testing themselves and they're they're testing themselves because a couple of years ago they're looking at this district and going to Soto Duncanville we got to get ready for those guys so we have to play ourselves and now that they're a mid-range team those games don't look quite a, as inappropriate but then they got one they got a win over in Arlington Martin Martin and they did it with defense holding Arlington Martin to 73 yards is something you just don't see it and yeah that could be Arlington Martin bad offense but at the same time they got 430 yards against that defense that defense that shut down Lake Travis for for three quarters so they showed the ability to get that running game going I think that's what Cedar Hill's going to have to do to keep this game competitive is they're going to have to compress the game by getting the running game seven eight minute drives let's keep it to three four possessions and a half and still South Lake is probably going to win you know they're still going to be probably be perfect uh, in those uh, three or four possessions they get but that's how they're going to keep that game competitive I think South Lake will win a 56 to 7 kind of game yeah. And man, you'd love to see somebody win a 56 to seven type game in the Allen Martin game, but I just don't know where the points can come from. It probably come on the Allen side. I, I just don't, I mean, Martin's gotta be, the fans gotta have their pulling their hairs out. They, they're not scoring. They got a new coach. It's, it's just, a, a, it's a difficult game to go to because both teams are underperforming. I think last year, you or last week you said C.E. King, uh, probably would be favored in the Allen game. I said C. King would win that game. They did win the game. And now Allen's sitting at 0-2. Martin's sitting at 0-2. I don't know. I'm not going to go in the history books and figure out when that's happened before. But what do you think about this game? I think you you gave it a nice uh, nice little slogan there for this game, right? I called it the, the disappointment bowl uh, in, in our uh, in our rundown of, of those uh, games. Uh, but, you know, Arlington Martin has so many head scratching questions we have to answer right now. And, and I was telling my kids, you know, I'm trying to teach them the history of Plano East. And this is me working it always back to Plano yes. East. And I've never, I've never seen in, at least in their lifetime, a st- where Plano East has started 2-0 and, and Allen hasn't been, you know, or has been 0-2. So, you know, we're, we're at least looking at that kind of history uh, that Allen hasn't started 0-2, at least in this uh, 20 to 23 year period uh, that uh, where they've started playing the, the 6A teams. Uh, but looking at, you know, just the, the matchups of this game, I look at what uh, Allen has done and they got Brady Bricker. He's a very good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's efficient. And then Amir McDowell, you know, he's not what KV and Sibley was, uh, but he's obviously going to be good enough, I think, to, to put yards on the on the board. Uh, and I mean, they had they had good offensive success against CE King. They just couldn't stop him. And if Arlington Martin can't have any sort of offensive consistency, I I think Allen's going to win, you know, 28 to seven, 28 to three kind of a game, uh, maybe even get up to 35. I think that's kind of sad that we're thinking to ourselves, maybe Allen gets up to 35 points in the game finally, uh, but they're going to have to play all 48 minutes to get there. But we know Arlington Martin at times has a good defense, but 
against Cedar Hill, it didn't come out there because I, you know, maybe they have a good pass defense, but the run defense is a little bit questionable. We don't know what happened in that Lake Travis game. Obviously, it was a little bit of an anomaly. We saw a lot of anomalies this past week, uh, but I think Allen should win this game pretty comfortably. But again, there have been so many head-scratching results. The beauty of high school football, the, you know, it's a rich tapestry of amazing things. You could have, you know, it, for all we know, Cedar Hill could have had, you know, their quarterback got his heart broke against Rockwall and just wasn't playing anywhere near what we thought he was. He, you know, dusted the dust off and got back into it and had an amazing game. And you see that a lot in high school football, a, a lot of ebbs and flows. And I think that we're going to see Allen. And so it, it's not impossible to think that Arlington Martin can win this game. Obviously they're a very proud program and maybe something that's happened there the last couple of weeks and uh, they get back into the, get back into things. Maybe Brooks Brygans is the answer. And uh, they got him in there at quarterback and found some things out with him. And, you know, they're going to really push it against Allen, but I think Allen, very comfortable win against Arlington Martin. But again, the thing that's going to cure Arlington Martin is getting in that District 8 6A where yeah. uh, they're going to be significantly better than a lot of those teams. And that could get them healed up real quickly once they get that little bit of taste of victory in their mouth. Well, it's interesting you said healed up because a team that needs to get healed up is McKinney, literally, because they have two of their stars, as we talked about, uh, hurting. And they got a game against Flower Mount. Boy, we're giddy about Flower Mount up here, Diggs. I know it takes you a while to get here. But when we score 34, and I say we just because my kids go there, but when we scored 34 against Lake Highlands in the first half, you know, the uh, week one, it was Jake Watson with his arm. He, he did it with his legs this time with four touchdowns at over 100 yards, a couple hundred yards rushers. How about this game, Diggs? I want to hear you tell me that Flower Mound is going to pull off the upset and win at McKinney. Tell it to me. We're listening. Hello. Upset pick of the week. My man, not gonna be uh, game, unfortunately uh, for you. But uh, I do think that Flower Mound is going to be impressive in their loss, and I, I, Flower Mound has continued to impress me because they are so efficient and they are so well coached. We we keep talking about that. It, it's what I keep coming back to. I think they are an underrated model because they haven't had these huge win. You know, I don't think they've maybe ever won a playoff game, and and they've had you know they've had a lot of ineptitude in there, but they are so well coached and they get the best out of their talent uh, to where if they ever get a few players and, and we're seeing this start to develop, that they could be a very dangerous team. I think McKinney is going to have to watch out. Can Flower Mound play this level of football against an above average or an elite defense? Because that's all McKinney has at this point. Their defense is what is holding this team together because the offense, you look at their stat line, they're throwing six, seven running backs out there. You got God's power, uh, you got the two quarterback system uh, and a lot of players you just don't know who are contributing a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's their defense who is setting up these very short yarded situations because their defense is so good. Uh, so can Flower Mound do this against an, an elite level defense? Because in 6-6-A, there are not many great defenses. You know, I, I'm already thinking of Flower Mound and Coppell, that matchup. Coppell is not going to be able to shut shut down Flower Mound that the way they are running the ball. I mean, I think Flower Mound might be considered a favorite against Coppell if they played right now, uh, you know, and, and I'm considering that in my rankings as I'm looking at Flower Mound and looking at Coppell and what they're doing well. And Flower Mound is playing such executing good football. Jake Watson, as you talked about, two straight great games. Peyton Stadler came in at running back and was really a, a second option for Flower Mound against Lake Highlands. And when I was really breaking down that Lake Highlands game, 
Uh, it wasn't like they, they, you know, Deontay Dean had a great game. He had 180 yards rushing. Trip Holly had a very effective game passing the ball. Flower Mound was just that good. And that's what's so scary about this is what is their ceiling? And now we're about to have, they're about to hit up against the top 10 DFW area team. We're going to get a little bit of insight into that ceiling. Could they upset them? I think it's absolutely in a possibility, uh, but I think McKinney is probably a 14 point favorite. I've seen some of the computer polls have this as a 30, 40 point kind of a game. I don't think we're going to see that at all. No, no, sir. Coach Basil won't let that happen. I'll talk about more about this next week in the open week, see if you can think they can skis their way into a playoff spot. But let's talk a little bit about more about the 6A, uh, 6-6A because you got uh, you got your Plano East squad going out there to Rock Hill. Talk to me about that game, what you think. I know we've only dabbled into Plano East a little bit so far, but let me hear what you think about that one. We should always dabble into Plano Eastward. I mean, you have podcast listeners who are demanding – they are demanding more Plano East talk because they understand the greatness that we're seeing at Plano East right now. Uh, I, I'm a little skeptical of Plano East in, in my heart of hearts. Obviously, I'm a fan uh, first and foremost. But again, you know, we talk about it, it's, it's very much like the Boswell situation. You got to win a game that matters. You know, and Plano East has not won a game that matters in five years. So you got to win a game that matters. It is nice that you're a non-district superstar. You go through your non-district 3-0 and and putting up video game like numbers and uh, fixing a lot of the inefficiencies, but you got to play Plano. You know, you got to play Plano and beat them in your homecoming. You got to beat Hebron. Then when you go five and oh, we can start talking about can Plano East make a playoff run or can Plano East win a playoff game or can Plano East make the playoffs right now it's just fun you know it's fun they're, they're learning how to win uh, they're learning and they are so well coached right now and I, I said this on the dump the the best compliment I can give Plano East right now is they look like flower mound you know and and they, they're not you know we don't got d1 players left and right all, all over the place although we got a couple uh but you're just seeing them play so flawless uh, and they're executing right now and it's fun to watch you're not they're shaking your head going oh why did that player do that or we have a missed tackle here or why can't they tackle coach b has got them coached up and they are playing at a very high level and they're making the best of what they have but plano and hebron and and, and coppel and marcus they're all gonna have more talent than plano east so can plano east beat a team with more talent than them we're gonna have to find that out and rock hill i think is going to give them a test rock hill doesn't have more talent than them but rock Hill is also like Flower Mound to where they're going to get the best out of their talent. So can Plano East play against a team that is going to have a well-executed uh, program that's going to be efficient and not make mistakes because they beat Rowlett and Rowlett was making mistakes in the second half. Naaman Forrest, they had a, they had a a center who is basically airmailing every single uh, snap and just creating all kinds of negative situations for Naaman Forrest uh, to where, you know, they have a couple good drives and all of a sudden they're 25 yards back because, you know, they have a 30 yard snap on, uh, on just a shotgun thing. And uh, Perales, their quarterback, he was jumping every single time to catch the ball. I mean, it was, it was an excessive level of, uh, of snap issues there. So you're not going to see that at Rock Hill. So if Rock, you know, I'm not saying Naaman Forrest and Rowlett gave Plano East the game but you know they made it easier for Plano East Rock Hill's not going to make it easy for Plano East so can Plano East make themselves look good when it's not made easy for them and I think uh, they're going to win this game I, I think it could be 14 to 17 points uh, but still going to prosper and, and winning a game even you know going to Rock Hill uh, they're, they're going to have to show that Rock Hill got better last 
week and, and played Timber Creek very well. Uh, so we get a little 6-6A calibration here uh, because we saw uh, Timber Creek and we saw Rock Hill last week. Now we're going to see Coppell play Timber Creek and Plano East play Rock Hill. Rock Hill. Maybe we'll get a little bit of insight into the, to this district. Hebron, biggest head-scratching win the, or biggest head-scratching loss last week. Yeah, they, they got on top of them and then – that was it. I mean, they scored off the bat, and then they just they just couldn't score anymore. And, and Jag Jagger Bale got that last second touchdown then to win it for Wiley. But you're right; they that was a head scratcher. And where does that put them in the? I mean, I, I mean, I, I bring it back to Flower Mound. I mean, maybe that's a team Flower Mound can jump over because they're Hebron seems inconsistent. And what do we say about their game coming up? Now they're playing Eaton with a Division One quarterback out there in Noah Lugo. Yeah, and, and trying to figure out Hebron, you know, they have talent, and that's the thing I keep hearing about Hebron. Uh, Patrick Creighton Jr., their quarterback, I know that always makes you cringe when you start talking about former Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he left that game at, at yeah. some point. I don't know if it was an injury or if it was it was a decision from the from the coaching staff. Uh, Evan Enderland came in and he played, you know, he didn't have a great, he didn't have great success against Wiley's defense. The, the, it's kind of a running back by committee, Ison Jones. Uh, they have a really, they have good receivers. Chase Harris stands out at uh, Hebron, but Eaton has frontline studs who are out there performing each and every week and they are playing well. Uh, you know, I think of DeMarlin Williams, you know, ran the ball 15 times, 240 yards and three touchdowns. Noah Lugo, no turnovers last week. Uh, Taylor Holmes and Mason Stubbs uh, had great uh, games receiving the ball for Eden, I think Eden has a chance to make a statement against Hebron. They match up very well against them. The last couple of years that Hebron and Eden has played, it's been a little bit of a head scratcher. Uh, it's like, you know, it's almost like McKinney Boyd and Byron Nelson before Byron Nelson uh, made the statement finally against uh, McKinney Boyd and said, we're quitting playing around. We have arrived. Uh, we're going to beat everybody we played by 60 until we play Carroll. So they, you know, we've arrived. Uh, but Hebron and Eden has gone back and forth the last three years. I think Eden's going to win maybe a 42-20 41, 42, 28 kind of a game against Hebron. And I think that's going to speak well to Eaton, but Hebron is a dangerous team, but they got to get it figured out. And last year I kept saying he Hebron's got to get figured out until they played Plano East and figured it out. So <laughs> uh, can, can they figure it out a little bit earlier? We'll find out. Well, let's move on to seven, six, a, this guy here wants to know what you have to say about that district. Little Maddie Stafford wants to know because the marquee game we thought was going to be Highland Park and Lake Highlands. Lake Highlands kind of laid that egg against Flower Mound. So it maybe the marquee game here is not even is is Jesuit against Richardson Pierce because Jesuit took down Rockwall. Pierce is winning games. And it's a nice Thursday night battle out there. We can see our girl Marley out there as they're as as they're going to be gun the ball. I think that might be a high scoring game. Do, do you not think so? I think it's going to be a fantastic game. And, and I lamented about this in our rankings, which you can see on our website, check out our social media for that. Uh, I'll see if I can, you know, remember it here. You have, you have Richardson Pierce, they beat Wiley. You got Wiley, they beat Hebron. You know, you got Jesuit. You've got uh, Jesuit beat Rockwall. He beat Cedar Hill. He beat Arlington Martin. And you're just calibrating all of these things, like what is, what's going on here? Because Pierce has, you know, basically a transitive win now over Jesuit. And, you know, you think to yourself, well, you know, how is this going to work as far as, uh, 
who's who's going to win this game because Richardson Pierce is not a team we expected at all to be in in the playoff mix and now this is the first time that this district has five legitimate playoff contenders for the first time in a while to where you could see Lake Highlands not make the playoff my my darling team Berkner they might not play make the playoffs and this is Richardson Pierce's chance to introduce themselves to the district at a high level I think, like you said, it is going to be a shootout. But what does Jesuit do with shootouts? They find a way to win because they are so they're so conditioned. They understand how to play this kind of a game. Charlie Peters knows how because Jesuit has been doing this for years. I mean, they get in these shootouts, uh, kind of like Highland Park has done in the past, and they excel at mm-hmm. that level. So you got Richardson Pierce who's going to have to win in a shootout. I like Jesuit to be able to win in that shootout. Charlie Pierce had 379 yards and six touch uh, six touchdowns against uh, Rockwell last week, but they don't have a running game. And that's something that is going to catch up with them at some point, very much like Coppell. You've got to have a running game. But at the same time, if, if Charlie Peters can throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns against those middle-tier teams every single week, I think they can you know get as high as second. Uh, that's not going to work against Tylen Park, but I think it will work against the rest of the district. Yeah, that's the, the Jesuit. Definitely, since I've been here, it's been known as as a team that loves shootouts. If you got your two guns in your holster, he's they got one in their sock that they can pull out, one hidden behind them in their back pocket, and they'll just keep shooting and shooting until they get that victory. But the thing with Pierce is that they if they find a way, and it's it's not the biggest home field advantage in the world, but if they find a way to win at home. And if, if Berkner's team is still a little bit injured and, and not playing their starting quarterback when they play in the next week, well, after that is Nimitz, Irving, Richardson. I mean, they, they're in the playoffs. They win their next two games. So it's that's what they're going to be preaching to them in the in the locker room this week. Beat Jesuit, and you're on, you're, you've got a good mark here to get into the postseason. Let's just go out and do this thing. But easier said than done, right, Dixie, to, to beat a team like that that can fire away. It is, but when you look at the offensive weapons they've got, Presley Harper is playing really good at quarter at quarterback. Andrew Casagrande is playing really good at, at running back. So they've got they're able to do that where Jesuit can't. They're able to get those tough yards. Uh, they're able to get those chunk plays on, on the ground. So uh, it, it's going to be a fascinating styles make fights kind of a game. Uh, I think Jesuit has more bullets in the gun right now, uh, and I think they're going to win a forty nine to forty two game. And I'm going to tell you right now. This will be my Thursday night game of the week. And who else likes a lot of touchdowns? Touchdown Teddy Madden. So he'll be there with you since it's right down the block from his house anyway. Uh, We're going to have all the stars out at this game. So 7-6-A, you are here. You've got Dixie there. you got Ted there. You know you've you've made it if that's the case. Let's move on to 8-6-A as we're excited. As much as we're excited about 7-6-A, that's how disappointed we are at 8-6-A. Man, you pulled out the stat. 2-12 so far, right? The, the teams in this district? Yeah, 0-7 last week at 2-5 and five the week before. So What's going on? 12 in non-district play and just so many head scratchers uh, in, in this district. And, and there's so much talent in this district. You know, I, I was very high on Arlington Bowie. I uh, had some questions about Arlington. I saw Lamar and thought to myself, Lamar, you know, had a, had a chance in this district. And more than ever now, I'm seeing this district is so compressed that, you know, there is a legitimate you – know, 
pathway where you might see Arlington Martin not make the playoffs because it's not like they're just so much better than these other teams uh, going into it. They've kind of regressed to the mean at this point, and the mean has kind of gotten a little bit lower as well, and it's like they keep trying to outdo themselves to lower that mean. That's a little, little psychology talk for you, a little social gotcha. science talk, getting into some mean, right. median, and mode and whatnot. Uh, but I, I, one team I, I'm still consistently impressed with so far has been Arlington Bowie, despite their record, because of who they've played. Uh, and, you know, Arlington Bowie has uh, played some higher end teams. They played Mesquite Horn last week. Uh, Mesquite Horn is a team I'm very high on. I think Arlington Bowie is going to get as, at least a third win uh, for District 86A. I think they're going to get back on the board against Plano this week. Uh, but the rest of the district, you know, I struggle to find out where they're going to get their wins at times. You know, I'm just kind of going right down the list. You got Arlington against Fossil Ridge. You know, I think Fossil Ridge might be a favorite in that game. Uh, we talked about Martin and Allen already, SGP Mansfield. I think man, the way Mansfield has been playing, hard to give uh, SGP the edge there. Arlington Lamar against Keller Central. Keller Central has had two bad games uh, against Waxahat or against uh, Weatherford and Plano now. Maybe we finally get to see Lamar give us a little bit something. Uh, I don't think Grand Prairie is going to be a favorite over Waxahachie and Sam Houston against LD Bell. What LD Bell are we going to get? We've talked yeah. about that a few times. I think LD Bell uh, will be a favorite over them. So the one win I think that Arlington Bowie, uh, you're, I think the one win I think 86A might definitely get is Arlington Bowie against Plano. And you were at that game last year, were you not? Or at least you had footage of that game. We with had that footage. Mary at yeah. the end. We had footage. I wasn't there, but I did see see the footage of it, man. That was a fantastic finish. So, man, it, it felt like you were there, Lord. It felt like I was there. That's how great that that finish was. I might pick Arlington over Fossil Ridge in that one. I just I, I got something with Arlington. I just think they're going to snap through this thing and get some wins for this district. It's almost like that. Uh, what is it? That Survivor Series deal where we got to get get some wins for this side of the team. This eight six A is just struggling to get wins uh and we thought it'd be nine six eight it'd be struggling to w get wins and they're starting district play this week uh with some nice games a nice game on thursday uh Saxe against lakeview centennial lakeview centennial with just an incredible win last week they they converted on a fourth and like 50 and then ended up getting hit and kicking the game winning field goal and then Saxe's another team that we who, who do we have each week we got to figure it out but red barons usually has it figured out come district play and gets that team into the playoffs what do you think about Saxe and Lakeview Centennial? It's going to be a fun game. Like you said, there was a lot of resilience in what they did against Skyline last week. The Skyline played Lancaster fairly well, and I think it might have foretold what happened with the South Oak Cliff game, uh, that Lancaster wasn't quite what they were going to be, but maybe Skyline is a little bit better than we thought. Uh, but Kendrick Sanders is a very efficient quarterback for uh, Lakeview Centennial. Uh, I think it's really going to be the battle of quarterbacks, as you know. we got Brendan George over at Saxe. We're going to have Kendrick Sanders at Lakeview Centennial. Which of the quarterbacks can lead their team uh, to the to the to the uh, promised land? Uh, but for me, when I start to break it down, Lakeview Centennial just doesn't have much of a running game. Saxe has a passing game and a running game. I think Prosper humbled them a little bit after they played Coppell because Coppell is going to make everybody offensively look good this year, and I think that's just going to be what they do in that game. Uh, then Prosper a little more uh, you know a little more well rounded, and they were able to kind of say, okay, Saxe, this is where you're really at now. Uh, you know, don't don't think Coppell don't let Coppell give you that uh 
elevated boost when you play Coppell. Uh, but I think that they are going to get back on the winning column, sexy uh, over Lakeview Centennial and just an absolute slugfest, uh, maybe a 28 to 21 back and forth, like a U.S. Open tennis game where you're just going back and you yeah. know, you're just, your, head, your head is just going all over the place in this game. I'm very excited about this game because Lakeview Centennial has an opportunity to arrive in this game. Yep, that's true. And and uh, there's another matchup in 9-6-A that has uh, Plano East ties. We got to get back to it. Both the teams that Plano East have beaten and playing each other. Name and Force, we're hoping that they get their center uh, problems figured out and they take on Rowlett. What do you think about this one? You know, Rowlett has consistently now to where, I mean, obviously you need 10 games or more to create a trend. Uh, but in two games, we've seen that they, they had a second half collapse and just absolutely just didn't have anything in the second half after being competitive in the first half. Name and Forest, uh, they obviously got blitzed by Louisville, getting getting, getting down 50 nothing at halftime, uh, where their defense scored 23, uh, Louisville's defense scored 23 of those 50 points against Name and Forest. Uh, Name and Forest against Plano East backups showed a little bit of offensive consistency. Uh, I, I just see more Name and Forest in their loss against Plano East than I did against Rowlett in their loss against Plano East. I think Name and Forest is a fringe playoff team right now because we got Garland and Lakeview Centennial playing very well. And don't look now, South Garland is 2-0. and And I think, you know, South Garland is now going to get in the mix. I think North Garland may be the team that doesn't win a team a game in this district the way they're playing right now. They lost everybody. Uh, their two best players transferred out uh, and, you know, they're really struggling whereas South Garland is playing good. For, they're, they're beating bad teams, uh, but, you know, they're winning and they're learning how to win. And that's a mindset that they have to do. So I like uh, Naaman Forrest over Rowlett. Uh, and I, this is kind of a de facto elimination game because if you can't win this game, find your five wins. You still got Wiley, yeah. you still got Wiley, you still got Saxy, you still got a Lakeview Centennial. Where are you going to get your wins? So yeah. the the loser of this game is going to be behind the eight ball already in week one. And it yeah. happened to Rollette last year yeah, and they is. tried to roar back. And they couldn't get back. And even if the impressive win at the end of the season didn't mean anything to them because they couldn't, they were already way too far behind. Uh, moving on to 10-6-A, boy, I am really intrigued by the Rockville uh, Prosper game. Ted will be at that game. You know what? Am I shooting any games this week? It seems because Ted's at Saxie Lakeview Centennial, too. Is he at every game? How much am I paying this guy? Anyway, Ted's going to be at that one, Prosper against Rockwall. And don't look now, Ted, or Ted, I'm calling you Ted now. Don't look now, Dixie, but but Prosper's doing it to me again. They, they, I feel like they're not getting any impressive wins, and I'm not very hype on them. And all of a sudden, here they are, two and zero. If they happen to pull off this win against Rock Wall, I'll come up with some excuse while I'm not impressed by it. And all of a sudden, they're in the, you know, regional final or something. Talk to me about this game, brother. I feel the same way about them. I, I got Prosper people who are subtweeting me and just mad because you know I'm not giving Prosper the credit. Uh, obviously, beating Saxy the way they did. That was impressive. But again, I, I think that's a little bit diminished because Coppell is going to make everybody look like that this year. So uh, now I'm diminishing the Coppell Saxy game as kind of a matchup, uh, you know, kind of a faux pas. And Prosper is going to look at that game against Trinity and say, we were up big. We let him back in the game. We, we learned from that. Uh, we're going to, you know, full throttle a little bit more. Nathan Tinbarge is really impressing me though. Obviously he was able to, uh, you know, in week one against uh, Euless Trinity, they looked like Euless Trinity. They ran the ball 50, 60 times for 400 yards. Last week they kind of did a Mansfield and they threw the ball for 300, 350 yards. Uh, so they're showing that they've got, they're able to do both behind their big offensive line. Cause that's the strength of their team is their offensive line. And if their players can 
settle behind that and do well, they're obviously going to, you know, really uh, thrive. And now we got Rockwall in here who just got embarrassed and, and they have to be feeling very, that, that kind of the, I heard people in Rockwall legitimately thinking we can we can take Duncanville this year. I mean, it, it got real hyped real quick in that locker room after beating Cedar Hill the way they did. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Jesuit humbles them. And now they're going to be mad against Prosper. Uh, and, and so they're coming out very inspired. What Prosper are we going to get? What Rockwall are we going to get? One of those crazy games. And all of a sudden, it's 7-3, to three and we don't know what's going to happen or anything anymore at the end of the day. I do think this is going to be a shootout. I think Prosper is going to win like a four. 42 to 35 kind of a game, maybe even same score against Trinity, 42, 41. And they're going to go, Rockwell is going to go for two to try to get that win, uh, get a little bit of confidence and Prosper knocks it down. Uh, I'm just out on Rockwall because where's the defense? You give up 60 points against Jesuit. Uh, yeah, your defense looked good against Cedar Hill, who is struggling to find their identity. Prosper is going to have probably arguably a better offense than Jesuit did. So how are you going to stop them? Because yeah, they might not have some of those skill uh, players that, that Jesuit has, but their offensive line is way better than you're going to get at Jesuit. Jesuit has a well-coached offensive line. Prosper has that next level. So I don't see Rockwall stopping Prosper at all. And it may even go higher than 42, 41. Uh, but if Rockwall can't stop Prosper at all, how do they win? It's got to be turnover, special teams. Special teams, Rockwall does have an advantage because they have a really good special teams coach. They always have a trick player or two up their sleeve. They might have to get that out to, to win this game. I just want to know what my problem is with Prosper. I don't I don't get it. I probably need some sort of therapy. They open the door for this bandwagon every single year for me, and I refuse to get on the train. I'm going to get on it at some point, and it's, maybe it will happen after this game because now what's my thing this year? Uh, they still, you know, all their players are having to leave with the new school opening up. They can't possibly, and they got a new coach. They can't possibly keep doing what they're doing. And uh, what they're doing is they keep doing what they're doing. So I, I just got to relax and figure this out. Talk to me about the rest of 10-6A because it, uh, it looks like we got a lot of competitors in this district. Yeah, every week I find myself more and more impressed. You know, I was looking at Roy City and they have a, and we're not even going to talk about Roy City, Melissa and break that day game down, yeah. obviously, you know, but Roy City now gets a chance to really impress themselves against Melissa. You know, you want to talk about having a chance to get on our radar. You you beat Melissa or even play competitively against Melissa. Uh, you're going to quickly get on our radar this week. Uh, North Forney 2-0 and, and and continue to look impressive. Rockwell Heath with a nice win over uh, Euless Trinity this this past week. Now they're going to get a Lake Ridge team that's down. So that should be a good win for them. Uh, Mesquite had their way against North Mesquite. Now they got to play Louisville. Louisville is going to probably uh, take out some aggression on them. And Tyler Legacy, a team that I th thought might make the playoffs are looking like the least likely to make the playoffs. Uh, and now they get Longview and that's not going to be easy for uh, Tyler Legacy at all this week. Uh, Mesquite Horn against Tyler High is going to be a really good test for Mesquite Horn. Uh, having to go out to Tyler and, and win a game out there, I think that's going to be a fun test for Mesquite Horn. But what I really look at at this district is there are six teams that, you know, arguably are within one or two touchdowns of each other. It's going to be matchups, coaching, special teams, all those intangibles. You can't take a week off in 10-6-A. You talked about touchdown Teddy. You, you should make him the district 10-6-A guru and make him go to a district 10-6-A game every week because there's going to be two games guaranteed every week that are going to have playoff ramifications once district starts in a couple of weeks. You know, so far he is. You know, he comes right out of work and heads walks across the street to Hamby to shoot Mesquite Horn last week and week before we got a game. Uh, it's just the 5A Mesquite teams that are <laughs> having them 
having them trouble to come out to the, see their games play. But as far as 6A is, he's out there. Uh, let's go on to the what the, everybody likes to call the District of Doom, 11-6A. Uh, I told you how impressed I was with Mansfield uh, last week. They're taking on South Grand Prairie. Man, they got to hope for no letdown in this one, right? Yeah, I think, uh, but South Grand Prairie, you know, you look at who they've played, obviously, uh, and, and they, this is how they started out last year. They played that uh, very tough non-district schedule. I think Mansfield is going to make a statement against South Grand Prairie. Last time I said that, you pulled it out there and embarrassed me, and the statement was not made. Uh, but I think Mansfield, uh, you know, is going to beat South Grand Prairie by two or three touchdowns uh, and really state themselves as we're closer to Duncanville and DeSoto than we are to the rest of the batch. And they got to play like that. You know, if you can't blow out South Grand Prairie, how are you going to play Waxahachie? How are you going to play Cedar Hill? Uh, you know, and how are you going to be competitive with Duncanville and DeSoto? So it gets back to that same style points matter. We talked about it was like our lead story last week, uh, but I think South Grand Prairie has shown consistently they're down. And I think South Grand Prairie had the kind of that sexy effect uh, that they had. And, and Mansfield is going to be the prosper now who's going to let uh, the team, the South Grand Prairie know, who was the sexy the previous week, know that this is what a good team looks like when you have all good good both sides of the ball and you play well on both uh, all phases of, of the game i think mansfield wins a pretty comfortable game over south grand Prairie. tell me what's going on down there at waxahachie because they're winning games but they're not impressing us too much it's they're not getting those style points that you like to see and last year they did get the style points but arlington lamar you know i, I keep going back and forth on arlington lamar i mean they got completely rolled by T uh, keller timber creek and then all of a sudden they play waxahachie in a one score game that's non-stop uh you know competitive where one thing goes here one thing goes there waxahachie's making a lot of mistakes or getting uh, a lot of penalties but that's starting to be a trend now you know you can kind of uh chalk it up to ns rivalry game first week of the year jitters uh, and, you know, this might be the last 287 battle that they have uh, now against Arlington Lamar. Uh, obviously, they're going to be a favorite against Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie got completely blasted by Wiley. East, so this is their chance to kind of get back on the board and make things right. But I think Waxahachie might not make the playoffs this year. I mean, it's getting real close with Waxahachie and Cedar Hill. I mean, I'm, I'm going back and forth on that every week. You know, it's like, you know, every, they're, they're writing their resume and I'm reading it and I'm evaluating it. But I really like that Cedar Hill is able to pound the rock uh, right now. They pounded the rock against, uh, they pounded the rock against Arlington Martin. And I think if they can play like they played against Arlington Martin, they're going to beat Waxahachie. Uh, so Waxahachie, they, you got to show me something Indians. Yeah. How much are they going to have to beat Grand Prairie to get you some, uh, get There's some nothing problems. they can do against Grand Prairie. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing that do. would, nothing that will change you. Because, because at what, what point, I mean, if Wiley East, beats it only change you in the neck. Of week, right? nothing, what are you going to do now? Right. They, they, they can make it worse. I mean, if right. they play Grand Prairie 14 to eight or something, you know, I, I might be looking at them as sixth place, you know, I'm looking at Mansfield Lake Ridge, like, okay, come on, Lake Ridge, you can go above Waxahachie, but there's nothing on the positive side they can do. They just have to avoid a negative letdown for me, but you know, hmm. what coach Tolleson thinks about impressing me, he comes from that Denton Ryan, you know, they don't, they don't like me at Denton Ryan because you know what Denton Ryan's doing. They're, 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 they're avoiding games. That's what Denton Ryan's doing. They don't want to play anybody. Didn't run. They're not playing they games. Play next year they, they're going to play. They're not going to play non-district games that didn't run next year. They're going to play district because they have to, so they can stay yeah. healthy for that. We're going to have five bye weeks. They get put in the sixteen district. They're going to play five games. Call it a day. There, there you go. And then get us into the playoffs, and we'll go from there. Go from there. All right. I guess we're going to move on to five A. 
Three five A. I know we have uh, we we have a, a an Azel team that you're looking forward to being competitive. I got a little tidbit on Azel that okay. really affects both me and you. They've got four sets of twins on that team. Four sets. Now I did a story when I first got here on three sets of twins at Weatherford, but we ain't hit four yet. What do you think about this Azel team? And can eight people, four of them that look alike, really handle their business in three five A Division One? Man, they lost their best running back to Brock, Vance Guthrie. So seeing them beat Grapevine last week, that was one of the games I still can't figure out. Uh, you know, I'm like, how did Azel beat Grapevine? Yeah, how did week? that happen? And then all of a sudden, Azel, you know, we talked about Reedy and Azel, and Reedy's been one of those teams that I've been down on. I guess that they're my prosper for you. Uh, and all of a sudden, that Reedy win against Azel, which I wasn't impressed by, Maybe Azel's got something a little bit more than we thought. And they they finally had a chance to show it against Grapevine, uh, beating Grapevine, which is why now Denton Ryan game, because we don't know what we're getting from Denton Ryan because they had to have a walk-off ch- uh, touchdown against a very mid-range uh, New Bronzeville team. We didn't see a game against week two, and now we're going to see this Azel-Denton Ryan game. All of a sudden, I'm fascinated by that because now we have real meaningful games where we're going to have questions answered. Can Denton Ryan beat a team that they're supposed to beat handily uh, in an Azel, or can Azel, even in a loss, say, we're going to be competitive for that four spot. Justin Northwest, Burleson Centennial, we're here. We'll play you. Uh, and, and, and we have a chance to be competitive because Burleson Centennial took a took a little bit of a, a step down, only beating Frisco by one last week. Uh, you know, then Ryan, we don't know what we're going to get. Justin Northwest is a little bit, you know, I, I put up on the trend button with Justin Northwest uh, because they beat McKinney North this past week, but we still don't know what we're going to get. Northwest. So Azel is a team. I want to see how they're going to compete against Denton Ryan. So I don't know. I don't have the answer for it right now because we just don't have enough data right now. Uh, but I think Azel has a chance to be very competitive against Denton Ryan. Yeah, we should be worried about Ryan if they have two weeks to prepare for a home game against Azel and they don't win that game. That would cause that would cause me to concern about that team for sure. Uh, moving on to four or five A, boy, I shot through Midlothian and Ennis in the first half, and there really wasn't much going on. It, It's—I don't even want to know if I want to say this, but it seems like he won't admit it. Coach won't admit it, but it seems like Wesco is frustrated with not getting the ball as much as he should. He he gets the ball on a quick outs, and you know he uses his speed and a bit agility. That's how he scored his two touchdowns, which they were throw a little one yard pass, and he did it himself. But it's when I can tell a kid is frustrated is when he he's not getting the ball and he overblocks on the play, meaning the whistle's blown and he's still blocking the heck out of the guy because he's just so freaking frustrated. Now it also could come from crap talking and that's just what happens in the games. But they did get the win. They they beat Ennis by a couple touchdowns. They're taking on Shoemaker now. This is the game that you had circled uh, when we did the campfire way back in boy i don't even know what what year was it we did the campfire it seems like it was so long ago but this is the the game that uh, you you circle to talk to me about how competitive this thing's going to be Helene Shoemaker is a really good team, you know, and we don't get much data on them because it's a, it's a Central Texas team that uh, we're covering, but obviously they, they were competitive in all the games last year. This was a one-score game last year. You look at what uh, Shoemaker has done this year relative to their games last year. Shoemaker looks a lot better than they did last year. Midlothian, we keep saying it, they don't look as good as they did last year. Obviously, Michael Garber uh, is getting tough yards, but, you know, when you have 27 carries, you should get a 100 yards you know and right. uh, 
it's like Midlothian is trying to force the passing game to uh, try to get the ball out there a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the coverage is going to go to Wesco. Uh, it is a very Midlo. If I saw Midlothian and I looked at the stats and I saw Wesco three receptions for 210 yards and three touchdowns, that's really what the Midlothian offense should be looking like. When I'm seeing seven for 74, yeah. it tells me they're, they're pressing to get him the ball. Like you right. mentioned, no deep balls in, in, Last week he had three to five inches on his defender, and I never I saw two jump balls, and that was it, and they were overthrown. But keep going. Yeah. So, what is Midlothian's identity? It's like you you got a coach's son in there, which is always a little bit weird because you got to deal with the public impression of you know the the fact that you have a coach's son at quarterback, and now you've got Wesco in in there who's who's frustrated and not getting the ball. This all seems like the perfect storm that Shoemaker is going to win this game and maybe even wins it a little handily, kind of like what Seguin did. Maybe wins this game by two or three scores. I'm very nervous for Midlothian, and I think that this could set uh, Midlothian down a path where fourth place, and, you know, when you got fourth place, that's Alito in the first round. You don't want to yeah. see that. Yeah. Uh, and maybe not even making the playoffs. I'm very nervous about uh, – they did bounce back against them, so I, I do give them the credit of that. But this district is very good at the top. Uh, and if you're not playing elite-level football – you're not going to win those top three games. And then you're going to be having to hold on against Colleen, Colleen Ellison, a resurgent Granberry team uh, mm -hmm. who, you know, might be upset minded. It's not looking good for Midlothian right now. Now Midlothian can completely assuage our fears with a big win over Shoemaker. I just don't see it happening. And then, you know, another thing we talked about at the campfire, the two best receivers in the state are in the same district Man, I may have to add a third best receiver because people aren't talking as much as they should. But Taz Williams at Red Oak, a 2025 guy, is an outstanding receiver, and he's getting all, all kinds of stars thrown his way. They take on Lake Belton. So that's a nice battle between Micah Hudson and Taz Williams and the wide receiver. Uh, watch each wide receiver, see who, which one comes out on better. Uh, Red Oak gets it. Gets it, Do they get them at home? I don't even know if it's at a home game or not. Oh, they are at Lake Belton at Lake on Belton? Thursday night right. on ESPN. Oh, okay. ESPN game. So that's even going to be uh, more bright lights on. Talk to me about what you think about this one. You know, Lake Belton has shown offensively they can score with the best of them, but defensively they're going to give up some points, you know, and, and they did that against Buddha Johnson last week. And obviously they're a good enough team to where, you know, they're going to score points, but Lake Belton is going to be winning shootouts. Uh, and that's the way that they're going to win. Red Oak has a good defense. I mean, Red Oak beat Arlington Seguin 28 nothing, And, you know, now we're starting to calibrate and go, okay, well, Seguin beat Midlothian by 14 and Red Oak beat Seguin by 28. You know, it kind of, it again, increases that concern uh, with Midlothian, for me anyway, uh, that, uh, you know, can Midlothian even make the playoffs? Uh, I, I don't think late, I don't think Red Oak is going to be able to win a shootout against Lake Belton. Uh, now, is Red Oak's defense good enough? That's going to be the question that they could answer in the affirmative, which I'm I'm a little bit doubting right there. Obviously, shutting out Seguin uh, is, is a heck of a statement. Uh, but Lake Belton has just got a next-level offense. So I think Lake Belton is going to win a back-and-forth Fun game to watch on TV, like a 35 to 34. This game might be even still going on uh, since it's a TV game. When I get home yeah. from Jesuit and uh, Pierce, you know, it may be in the fourth quarter. So we'll, we'll check it out. But I think Lake Belton uh, will take care of Red Oak at home uh, on national TV. Yeah, hearing that it's ESPN, it's probably even more of a deal where Taz Williams is probably going to really want to show out. Uh, they'll probably see it. Man, Coach, throw me about four or five plays in the first half. Let me get these. Let me get these people to know who I am across the country. All right, let's move on to five, uh, five A Division One. 
they start district play this week. It's a team you want to, and, and there's not too many super competitive games in this this week, but the team you want to talk about is Newman Smith because they did what they were supposed to do in the non-district. They have the off week this week, but then they head right into it. And if they want to be a, a, a player in this district, they got teams they got to beat here, and, and you feel they can, I believe. You know, I, I'm fast. I, I'm a big fan of Newman Smith. I'm always enjoying when Newman Smith is playing well. Richland, again, it's hard to figure out what Richland is, you know, because we talked about Haltom and Haltom maybe being a sneaky better team than we thought. Uh, so I think Richland and Newman Smith are probably right there fighting for the second spot. But Birdville has really disappointed me. They've gone 0-2, uh, lost big the first week, and then uh, wa- lost in walk-off fashion against Garland last week. And I think that might speak well to Garland. And I know you were you didn't come out of that Garland uh, McKinney North game impressed at all with uh, with Garland, and then Garland mm-hmm. to get that win yeah. kind of lowers my expectation about Birdville. I got, I got a little taken to task on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this Ward, or you know in the, in the dump I was talking about uh, how and this is completely my error, uh, and I just think it speaks to how quiet Birdville ISD is at times. Uh, but uh, you know I had mentioned that Newman Smith had made a three round run the last you know in the last ten years. I don't think Birdville and Richland had. And all of a sudden, here comes all the uh, North Richland Hill saying, or all, all those people saying, well, Richland made it to the fourth round in 2017, and Birdville made it to the fourth round in 2018, and they they lost to Alito and Nitton Ryan and in big fashion, which is probably why I didn't give much thought to it. Uh, so obviously, these are teams with a little bit more pedigree than I might have even given them credit for. Uh, but, you know, when you get into that region one where you're playing West Texas teams and, and, and beating some bad teams out there and then get spanked by Alito and Denton Ryan. I forget very quickly, you know, you made it to the fourth round, but lost by 50. I don't know. I don't think much about you after that. Uh, But uh, I think Newman Smith is a lot closer to Richland than they were in in, in my thoughts in the preseason. I think they've surpassed Birdville now. Obviously, everybody is a lot below uh, Timberview in this district. Uh, But it's going to be fun, the two, three, four battles with Richland, Birdville, and Newman Smith. And now all of a sudden, W.T. White, uh, you know, had a nice bounce back win against Waco last week. And I think W.T. White is the only one of the bottom five uh, that really have a chance to be competitive. And their resume right now against Birdville, they, they might beat Birdville. So Birdville may go from, you know, sitting at that three spot to maybe not even making the playoffs. Yikes. All right, let's move to 6-5-A because they're starting as well. 6-5-A Division One, a lot of good games, especially on Thursday night. Uh, Lone Star takes on Reedy. Let's talk about that first. <laughs> well, you're talking about disappointed teams. Nine turnovers in the first two games for Lone Star. That, that's got to stop. That's got to stop if they're going to make a push here. I already told you I'm on their, their this, they're on their run this whole week, this whole year. That's the team I'm running with in 5A Division One. I can't run with them if they're going to make nine turnovers. It's just putting too much trouble on their defense to do something. And Reedy, they may have had two unimpressive wins, but they got a heck of a game against Reedy in, at Toyota State on Thursday night. Yeah, they, they can definitely get back into the mix with that. Uh, you know, they've uh, last week their their best running back, who was their best defensive player, turned into a running back, uh, was out of it, and they're expected he's expected to be back this week. But they lost one of their best uh, defensive ends over this past week for the season, most likely. Uh, so Reedy is dealing with a little bit of the depth issue, and that's kind of what my concern with Reedy was was what was this year going to look like because they graduated so much. They obviously had Max Anderson and a couple of good offensive linemen 
linemen that they were going to have coming back, but who was going to put the ball in the end zone for Reedy uh, and for Lone Star and for Lone Star that against Lone Star, that's going to be the question they're going to have to answer against a really good team. But what did Reedy do last year? They capitalized on turnovers and now we have a very turnover prone team. Uh, so that's Reedy's pathway to get back into this. But even though that uh, they had all those turnovers in the first two weeks, they completely dominated Burleson and they were very, I mean, you know, they're very competitive with Texas high in a game they probably would have won without the six turnovers. Uh, I think Lone Star can make that statement against Reedy this pet this week. And I think they will. Uh, but, you know, this is one of those games where Reedy has multiple pathways to stay in this game. And if, if Lone Star messes around, plays with their food, it would not surprise me at all because Reedy has played these ugly games better than just about anybody in the last year and a half. And if Lone Star is going to make it ugly, that's where Reedy is going to shine. But if Lone Star comes out and puts the foot on the gas and gives us the best version of Lone Star, I think they could win this game in a statement win by three touchdowns. There you go. And, and talking about the turnovers, they may be doing that, but Davion Gross is still doing Davion Gross things. And, Man, he's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to get after the game, but that'll be my second game because my first game is Heritage against Wakeland at the Star. Uh, you know, last year we had four teams playing for three spots, and two of them were these two guys. So these early games mean stuff. It's not you, – you can't just – like you always like to say, play with your food early on. Uh, one of these teams needs to come out with a win here because the other one's behind eight ball. Yeah, I talked to some of my brewer sources this past week, and uh, one of the coaches over there was telling me that he was losing sleep. He was sending me a message at 4.30 after the dump saying, Diggs, we, we should have beat them. You know, we were a better, you know, we had this, we had that, we had this called back. Uh, we should have beat Wakeland. And that was a game that Wakeland got up big on. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brewer sticks around and, and gets in the game. And all of a sudden Brewer, is, you know, it's thrown to the end zone at the end of the game against this Wakeland team. And Wakeland against Grapevine, that was a little bit of a head scratcher. Mm -hmm. And now we see the Azel comparison that maybe beating Grapevine, uh, you know, wasn't that big of a deal. So yes, Wakeland is 2-0, and uh, but a lot of people who are looking at Wakeland as far as the offensive line and defensive line saying, yeah, they got Brennan Meyer. They have, they have a couple of good receivers. They have a good, couple of good skill kids, but they don't got anybody else. You know, they don't have the offensive line that they've had in the past. Uh, so Brennan Meyer is out there running around for his life and trying to make plays. And yeah, you can do that. And then you have Heritage who's two and oh, but they beat two not really good teams. Uh, so you have one team that is finding ways to win against better teams. And you have one team that's blowing out bad teams. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating game. I think Wakeland is still a little bit better than some of the uh, people are giving them credit for. Uh, to me, it's a quarterback driven league. You know, we talk about if you got the best quarterback on the field, you're going to win nine times out of 10. And they got the best quarterback on the field in this game. So I think Brennan Meyer is going to find a way to lead them uh, to a victory. But Heritage is probably better from five to 18, you know, those players in the middle. Uh, so if those players play much better than Wakeland, it's going to be a close game and it's going to be a fun game for you to shoot. Uh, I don't know which one you should go to first. You know, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I think, uh, which one are you going to first? What, what I'm going to take? Wakeland Heritage first because I do have a backup plan uh, for Lone Star in case something really good happens in the first half. Pick up highlights there. So that's where I'm going to go first. Maybe a mistake because it's awful difficult to get into the place at Toyota Stadium. They've got all kinds of different doors you got to go through and then come down through the stands. But I'm going to go to the Star first. It's that messy security they had to put in there for uh, messy. Yes, exactly. 
make, <laughs> make, make it hard for Pat Doney to, to do his job down there and for you to do your job. Uh, different different jobs, of course, because, you know, right. you're relegated to the inside high school sports hat, whereas Doney's got the MLS hat and MLB hat, NBA hat. He's having lunch with LeBron James while you're dealing with me. Yeah, I'm getting excited. By the way, speaking of these hats, we do, do a Houston show, too. Uh, gave a kid one of these hats and it showed up on ESPN last week because uh, the kid went to the University of Houston game and they showed him in the stands. He's wearing a hat. And I was like, all right, that's the point of giving these things up. So I get excited about that. And Pat gets excited about shaking hands with Messi. Who has the better job? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I think it's you. But I don't know if I made it clear. Wakeland by seven. Wakeland by seven. All right. Let's move on to 7-5-A because Forney has impressed everybody with the way they're stomping out teams and they have another team on the docket that they probably will stomp out I, I took a look at your stat line there they've won 126 to 10 and they some may say they may be petite by that same score so what what do you think about what's going on with Fleener and the Jackrabbits yeah, Fleener is having to get into that blowout management. And obviously this is where you want, I say obviously a lot, Ward, and, and, and I'm so wrong, so wrong so often maybe. You're very time. accurate. You're very arrogant about that. That's partially, obvious. partially yeah. speaking, Forney has done very well. I'm impressed by Forney because they kind of get, give me that North Crowley vibe that, you know, this they're a year behind North Crowley, I think, as far as next year might be Forney's real big year to break out and be competitive with Longview and, and Lancaster if they're even in the same region. They're probably going up to 6A uh, for all we know, the way Forney is growing out there. It'll be in that district with North Forney and Rockwall. So they're probably a year away from competing with Rockwall and Rockwall Heath at that high level. But Forney is playing great football right now, and they're doing what they have to do defensively. They look great. They got the South Oak Cliff transfer. They have Aaron Flowers. Uh, offensively, their quarterback is coming to his own. The running back is playing great football. Uh, we have a really good team with Forney. And this whole district is really good because Tyler High, I think, is going to uh, show us something in a likely loss against Mesquite Horn, but I think they'll play Mesquite Horn pretty well. Lufkin is playing a lot better football. McKinney North is kind of the left out team, uh, and they've played good at times. Uh, so very fun district, but Forney has really caught my eye, and I think they're going to probably go 60-piece on Mesquite Poteet this week. And remember, Highland Park, or not Highland Park, but Lake Highlands played Poteet 35-7, to if I remember right, yeah. you know, that kind of a game. So Forney is going to make a big statement at Mesquite Poteet's expense, unfortunately, for Touchdown Teddy this week. The schedule's kind of really working out for them, too. They get Longview, Lancaster, and McKinney North all at home this year. They're kind of later in the year. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I don't. I usually like to play at least some of my competitive teams early in the year, so you don't you're, you don't have a false sense of what you are because you're you may be playing some garbage early on. But they uh, they got some teams later in the year, and they get to play them at home. I mean, they they go to Tyler, but let's. I wanted before we move on. I want to talk about Lancaster for a second because they lost to South Oak Cliff, and, and now they have Geyer coming to town and. If I don't haven't got a chance to look at your rankings, but I'm assuming the trending is going downward on them. Talk to me about Lancaster and and how you're feeling about them. Three game or two and a half games, half game. We haven't played the game. Two games into the season. You know, when I first saw that score, I, I've been kind of going through some emotions with 
uh, Lancaster. When I first saw that score against Skyline, only beating them 28 to 14, I started to feel really kind of like, well, I don't know about Lancaster. But then I pulled out the, the stats and I saw how dominant Lancaster was in that game. Uh, and it was just kind of that same old Lancaster as far as not playing efficiently and effectively, but being dominant at the same time. And, and But letting a team like Skyline hang around, I think they held Skyline to under 100 yards. So I was like, okay, Lancaster just has to get to that good performance level and surely Sock will bring that out of them. But instead what we saw was Sock play at that high performance level. Sock looked playoff efficient uh, th this early in the season, which they have to look in these games uh, playoff efficient because once they get into that district play, it, it gets uh, real sideways real quickly there. And then you get into blowout management and uh, you're, you're looking at different things, which is really a, a detriment to South Oak Cliff because when they have to play a fourth ranked team from district five, five, a in that first round, like we saw against Mansfield summit, they are battle tested because that district is really, really good. Whereas South Oak Cliff hasn't played a competitive game in two months. And that's one of the coaching jobs that South Oak Cliff has to continually do to preach to those players. You got to be thinking about week 11 uh, and, and you got to be thinking about week 12 because it, it comes up on this real quick. Uh, you know, we're playing Spruce and Kimball and some of those teams, but before you know, it, we're going to be playing Mansfield Summit and Lovejoy and Melissa. Uh, so Lancaster, uh, to me, showed that they're not ready for prime time. Uh, giving up 42 points to South Oak Cliff, uh, their offense was supposed to be ahead of their defense, but their offense against a, a good defense didn't put up the points that they needed to put up. The defense is going to give up big yardage uh, and big points to those uh, teams who are really good. Now we're seeing Forney putting up big numbers. So I don't like Forney's matchup against, or I don't like Lancaster's matchup against Forney. They can prove me wrong, but I think the gap has uh, definitely decreased from Forney to Lancaster. And that's no knock on Kawan Lacey over there. Boy, 200 yards rushing. He's doing all he can. If you saw the highlight against Sock, he should have been tackled 17 times on the one he broke for a 50, 60-yard touchdown run. So he's doing his thing. It's just the, the two quarterback system, they're not really producing that much running or passing. So We'll see what they do. Let's move on to Division Two. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, you you no. do not get to drop me down quite yet because I oh. think it's very important more than ever. Because and this is your wheelhouse, Ward. I, I know okay. we joke about we got to talk about Barber or Barber Hill uh, discussion every week. But the more I'm researching eight five A the better, the higher I'm viewing this district. And this is very important for by district 7-5-A against 8-5-A yeah. because that third place team against a team like Barber's Hill in the, in the first round, you do not want to be that third place team that's got to go play Barber's Hill. And, yeah. and that could be a Lancaster team. And Lancaster, if they have to go out to Barber's Hill, if they end up getting third in that district, that could be a one and done for Lancaster. And, and, I'm, and you have to be concerned about it if you're a Lancaster fan, if you're a Forney fan, because Barbers Hill is very good, and Port Arthur Memorial is very good, and uh, every every week that data keeps coming in, and I'm seeing that trend line increase for those teams. So that's something that, as seven five A fans, you know, you got to keep an eye on eight five A, and it's something I'm keeping an eye on because that district is looking even better. Kind of like I said, seven five A is looking better, eight five A is looking better for me each and every week too. Yeah, that's the, those two that you said are very good, and then. New Caney Porter is good, so but they would have to come up this way, so it might be a little bit more difficult to get past a Forney or a Longview, whoever they'd end up having to play. But Barbara Hill is an experienced team; it's it's they're senior laden, so it's going to be a, a tough battle to go down there and play them. Yeah, they're blowing out teams right now. They, you yeah. know, they've won in a, by an average of thirty points a game for the first two weeks. Uh, and crazy stuff has happened in that district where, you know, Port, Port Arthur Memorial, Barbers Hill. And I'm saying this as a DFW fan for our fans of the DFW podcast, keep an eye on 85A because yeah. 
those teams are good enough to make your lives. You know, you're thinking of Forney and, oh, we're going to make a good run. You may not get out of the first round if things don't go well against, you know, Lancaster and you lose that game. That's going to make it, you know, we talk about how Midlothian, if they fall to four, they have to play Alito. You have to think about this as far as 8-5-A context as well. Now you can move us to five eight. I can move move us as I finally as I say good things about the Houston area. There you go. If you're keeping an eye on eight five eight, do not keep an eye on Crosby. You know, sometimes DFW fans have you know they look at the history of a team and they think they're going to be good forever. Crosby is not a good team. Just kind of the other way around. I'm not saying Allen's not a good team, and CE King should be happy about that. But this is not like beating one of the Allen teams from three four years ago, where you should be out there doing cartwheels and stuff. It's a very solid win at a tough place to win, but just remember who you're playing and and how they're struggling as, as of right now. Now we're going to go to three, five, a division two. You talked about how great Vaughn uh, has not impressed you and no, not impressed their own team because they're Owen two. Uh, Argyle has been the same way. They play each other. Is this a way to get back on the good graces over there? Coach Rogers by beating a, a, a great Vaughn team that's reeling and putting a win on the board. You know, we talked talk about 0-2 Allen against 0-2 Arlington Martin as maybe a disappointment bowl. Uh, this is a little bit of a disappointment bowl for me as well. I mean, Argyle expected to go 0-2. Uh, they're a much better 0-2. Grapevine, I did not expect at all. I do think Argyle is going to bounce back, and I think they might bounce back in a very statement-oriented sort of way. I think Todd Rogers may, you know, may put the pedal down a little bit more if he gets up on Grapevine. Uh, I think Argyle wins this game. 35, 42 points, and uh, Grapevine, it, it, it's a little, oh, a little nervous about Grapevine now. Goodness gracious. Who, who, you're not nervous about Frisco Emerson. I know that much. They're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They play at an upstart Panther Creek team at the star. Uh, we'll have a guy out there for that one. Talk to me about what you think is going to happen in this game. I think we're going to see, obviously, there's obviously, again, I think we're going to see Emerson with a very, I'm, it's, it's now in my head. I'm in my own Edward. Panther Creek had a great win uh, against Arlington Heights, a very dominant sort of win. Emerson, when, when they were pl- when they were scheduling this two years ago, it's probably thinking, okay, we got our two new schools. This will be kind of a fun game. Emerson was obviously ex- exceeded. We're going to, we have to <laughs> If I gotta hit a button. Do a production value thing. Have, have Dean like count my obviously and have yeah. like a right corner up here. It's gonna say like 58, <laughs> 59, 60. Uh, that's your thing. Go ahead. Frisco Emerson is a really, really, really top tier team. Panther Creek is a very good 4A team. I think they're gonna be competitive within that region with, with Carter and with Salina, but I think Emerson wins this game by 28 to 30 points. Okay. Well, it should be I'm, – I'm looking forward to seeing him play, especially I want to see Michael Hawkins in a, in a light blue uniform there because he's got a new squad he's throwing around for. Let's talk about 4-5A Division Two. You got a ch- chance to catch that uh, story we did with C.J. Wilson last week uh, uh, coaching up Polly. I want you to talk – you know, tell tell your version of this. 4-5A D- Division Two, other than Colleyville Heritage, who had a nice loss to Texas High, they're starting to remind me of 8-6A where I just – I'm, I'm mad at Fort Worth wide. I'm mad at Arlington Heights. I'm yeah. mad at Grapevine now. And those are our playoff teams. So the right. rest of the, the district, I, I just don't know what to make with this. You might see a sweep. You probably won't see a sweep because I think the fourth place team in three, five, a should lose to Colleyville heritage, but I can't see two, three or four beating Lake Dallas, Emerson or Argyle in the first round of the playoffs. So I'm very out on four, five, a two uh, division two, but that doesn't mean that you won't tell a great story. No, about- a five four five a division two even if they throw a curveball at you at the last minute 
Yeah, no, it was a terrific story, regardless of what happened with the curveball. But you, you see uh, retired athletes going to coaching all the time, but they uh, most of the time you see them at private school ranks. You know, Jason Witten over Liberty Christian, Vernon Wells at, at Colleyville Covenant, uh, with Tim Cedars over there at, at North Mesquite. But it, it's programs that are, you know, doing something. He, this CJ Wilson, he's a five year vet. He, he was on the practice squad for the Cowboys, but he played for Carolina for four years. He wanted to go back, and his his deal was he just wanted to give back. He wanted to give back to a, a neighborhood that needs it, that, that's not into the football all that much, not into the structure of football, and he wanted to go in there and try to build that thing. And then we went out and did a story, caught him at a 6 a.m. practice. The kids are just – they can't believe that an athlete like – a professional athlete really wants to spend time and, and, and give, give back to his community instead of going to another place to be a – you know, with all the bells and whistles of a private school, but he's there digging them around, getting them to work out. And he didn't even worry about the X and his O's, X's and O's until well later into in his uh, summer training. He was worried about just getting them physically fit, getting them to show up on time and, and, and be on a regiment schedule. He actually had them doing yoga too in the library. Oh, they were, we were interviewing them like yoga. We didn't know what yoga was. He's in there doing yoga, just proving to them that he loves his kids. He wants the kids to love back and, uh, they were supposed to play Samuel at uh, at their at their school. They have a stadium at their school, or a, not much of a stadium, but they got bleachers and stuff at the school and bring the community out to see it. And everybody was excited. That ended up getting nixed just because they couldn't get the security right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's enough restrooms that were working well enough. It just couldn't get it up to code, and they might do it somewhere down the line. So that got shut down. But they did play it over at Farrington. They they put a hurting on Samuel, so it was it was a pretty good game for us to be at but it was just a great story and the kids are just so amazed that they have somebody like this that's willing to come back and and, and he wants to be there for a while he wants to see see this thing turn into something at fort worth poly just to give kids a, w- a way to come out and 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 find some structure and not run around the streets now is that story available on our social medias um, it will be tomorrow it'll be up tuesday on all the social medias it's, it's really good our my buddy jeff watkins went out and shot some great video james harris was the reporter on it so Terrific stuff, and it you, takes away. And, and you're the producer, right? You're the, I did produce, so produce it. It takes away from all the down stuff you're saying about the actual play on the field with four or five A. Although Colin Harris isn't, isn't doing terrible, they had a Texas high team come through there. So let's move on to five five A, shall we? You want to move on to five five A Division two? That let's was, do it. Summit's taking on Crowley. They're kind of reeling from the the loss. They give up lost. They give up the lead loss to Mansfield, but they still showed some things. And Crowley really showed me something for the fourth quarter that I made it for. They started the game early on me. Dadgummit, Carlos Lynn. That thing said seven thirty, not seven. Anyway, I showed up there as the fourth quarter. Of the game was no nowhere near in doubt. But I was a, a nicely, surprisingly amazed at the crowd that was out there. They actually. They got people believing in Crowley football, and they're they're coming out to play Summit now. It's going to be a very tough test. I know it's six A ticket on five A, but Summit is in a, in a different league right there. But it should be a pretty interesting game. What do you think? I think it will. And and Coach Lynn is, is you're seeing that incremental 
improvement every single week. Now, the first week again, or the, the first half against Mansfield Legacy, they got out to the big lead and then they couldn't figure out anything in the second half. So you're just sitting there with your camera, seeing a whole bunch of punting back and forth, uh, nothing really happening. Uh, so Mansfield Summit, I think they're going to have that bounce back win. They they took care of Lake Ridge and in the first half, they were incredibly impressive against Mansfield. And I think they're going to be looking back as that is an area for improvement. We can't get, even when we get up on a team, and, and, and same thing with Crowley. Crowley is looking at it. We got up on a team, a Mansfield team, and we gave up in the second half, whereas Mansfield uh, Summit's looking at We got up on the Mansfield team in the first half, but we couldn't continue, and some fluky kicks and, and things happen, as it will in football. Crowley is a much improved team. I think Crowley is going to be competing for a playoff spot in that 3-6A. I, I still love Mansfield Summit. I think Mansfield Summit will take care of business by 21 points in this game. A couple other interesting matchups. Uh, Seguin is going to be taking on Aubrey. They're very excited after beating uh, Midlothian. Then they got shut out last week. And Aubrey was a team that got them last year, but they're really struggling as well. And then I want you to hit on Midlothian Heritage a little bit because I don't think we've talked about them in any of the podcasts we've done so far. And they're they're doing what they usually do. They're supposed to be doing. They're 2-0, and they got Waco La Vega coming up. Yeah, Waco La Vega has been one of those teams that – Midlothian Heritage is very much like Prosper. You talk about how we've been disrespectful to Prosper and they just keep reloading. You know, Midlothian Heritage, we thought, you know, they lost their best receiver. They lost, you know, they've lost their coach a couple of years ago. They lost their quarterback from last year who did everything for that team. Surely they're going to drop. And they've just uh, managed to continue to excel uh, going to 2-0 and, and, and having some really nice wins. I think they'll handle Waco La Vega. Uh, Seguin, I think they'll be able to bounce back with Aubrey, against Aubrey. Aubrey losing 42 nothing to Anna last week. And, you know, that was – were you at the Anna-Aubrey game last year? Was that – I was not. No, that was Jerome, but that was something special. Where are you, Ward? Do you do anything at all? <laughs> I told you. Apparently, you I don't shoot anything. Wasn't that your, like, number one play of the year last yeah, year? Yeah, it was. Number one play, that hook and lateral. The Anna-Aubrey miracle from Collin County. Uh, but, Aubrey, this is not – you know, we, we saw them lose to Sunnyvale to start out with. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Sunnyvale loses to Terrell and then Aubrey gets completely blown out. I think Seguin will bounce back against Aubrey and make a 28 nothing kind of a statement that Red Oak made at their expense last week. Well, we move on to the 6-6-6-5A Division Two. We didn't talk about DeSoto and 11-6A because we're going to talk about them here. They're playing South Oak Cliff, as South Oak Cliff winds down their competitive part of the schedule until they, they get in the district plate. They beat Lancaster, which is better than last year, and then they're taking on a DeSoto team that's surprisingly got two weeks to prepare for them because nobody wanted to play them in week two. And all of a sudden, Parish Episcopal is not looking as good. They're 0-2 yeah. and lost to a Houston Episcopal school. And now, you know, Parrish is going to be trying to find, you know, where are we going to get a win uh, against South Oak Cliff? I think they play China Spring this week. I mean, it's they're they're going to be struggling to get yeah. to, to get a win in, in that uh, against South Oak Cliff. So South Oak Cliff, if South Oak Cliff goes two and two and just loses to Duncanville and DeSoto and beats uh, Parish Episcopal and Lancaster, that's a huge success for them. I, I think that this is going to be interesting because the computer calibration right now has DeSoto a little bit over Duncanville, and part of that is just the data set of with, with Duncanville playing a Florida school is not going to really register much, but DeSoto had such a dominant win over Allen that completely spikes up the, the computer rankings. So now we're going to get a chance to see 
even though DeSoto is two weeks into it, we're going to see Duncanville versus uh, South Oak Cliff and DeSoto versus South Oak Cliff. We might see a our first glimpse into Duncanville and DeSoto, how they how those two might play against each other. I think South Oak Cliff, I think Duncanville is better than DeSoto. So I think that DeSoto wins this game, but not nearly as much as what Duncanville did. But obviously, every time I say that, DeSoto starts get, get, takes that a little bit personally and uh, pushes the gas a little bit uh, harder. But South Oak Cliff will not be allow them to push the gas hard. I think they want to see DeSoto at their best, but I think South Oak Cliff takes care of, or I think DeSoto takes care of business by two scores in a back and forth kind of a game. But DeSoto, they're really good. You, you, you move on to 7-5A Division II. We've already talked about North Crowley and Lovejoy at the top end, but uh, and you talked a little bit about Melissa taking on Roy City. You know, Melissa earlier in the day is uh, Nigel Smith's going to commit, so they're going to have that uh, momentum off of that. I don't even know if you have momentum for a whole team that when one player commits, our boy Kenny thinks it's definitely going to be Oklahoma, so who am I supposed am I to argue with Kenny? He knows everything. So talk about a little bit more about that game, the Melissa uh, Roy City game. No, I think Melissa has a really good chance to be dominant against Roy City. Roy City got their ground game going a little bit, so that might compress the game. But I can't see Melissa, after scoring 50 points against Argyle, 60 points against China Spring, having any problem with Roy City's defense. I don't see Roy City's defense giving much resistance. This the question will be, can Roy City minimize the, the possessions and, and go one for one with Melissa? I don't think they will, but I think they will keep it maybe a 42 to 14, 42, 21 kind of a game. And Ward, one thing I do, I, I try to do is monitor my own biases and I caught myself in a bias and I'm going to call myself out for a bias. And I want to get your take on my bias on this is that we were talking about Lovejoy and, and North Crowley and how Lovejoy has a chance to make a statement and, and show that they can be competitive. But we didn't talk about what happens if North Crowley runs Lovejoy out of the building. We, we didn't even offer that yeah. as a hypothetical. But what if? And we didn't we talk about what a statement that would be. Could North Crowley be making a statement at the expense of Lovejoy if North Crowley wins this game 49 to 7, 49 14? Because what would, would what would Duncanville do? Well, you know, if Duncanville played Lovejoy in a hypothetical situation, would Duncanville beat Lovejoy up? So this is a good chance for North Crowley to make that statement. What if all of a sudden you're 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 pulling up the dump at midnight and you're you've gone through all these scores and you see North Crowley 49, Lovejoy seven? What would that tell you? Yeah, that would sour on me again. And I'd just start thinking about all the stuff that you said last year and be like, oh boy. We're going to be on Lovejoy's bucket doo-doo list again because, uh, it, you know, we'd sour on him real quick. I like it when you bring up those things. Dunk, what would Duncanville do if they played Lovejoy? What if Duncanville do if they played Highland Park? I like you saying that because I like to dream about those games. I was, Man, would there ever be a time where Duncanville would play Lovejoy at Lovejoy? That would be wild. But anyway, go ahead with what you were going to say. And to that point, I think North Crowley would be a legitimate because I'm I've seen Lovejoy now. We've seen what Lovejoy has in two things. If for whatever reason North Crowley did do that to Lovejoy, I think we would have to immediately consider North North Crowley maybe number three in the area, right below Duncanville and DeSoto, because oh, yeah. that would be an incredible, incredible statement. And Lovejoy would obviously have to, you know, scratch your head. But when you play a team that much better, if they were that much more dominant than you, what can you do other than just tip your cap and say, 
Thankfully, we're in 5A Division II, and we will not see a team that good for the rest of the year. So I'm, I think it's important to, to mention that what if. We're, we're talking about a competitive game and, and what we see in Love in Lovejoy. North Crowley has a really good opportunity to make a huge statement to the state at the expense of Lovejoy if they are able to do that. All right, we got time for maybe one or two quick hitters. I want to talk about the Car- uh, Carter-Sunnyville game we'll have. Surprise, surprise, Ted at that one as well. Uh, talk to me about what you think about that game. Just talk to me, maybe, maybe not the game, but talk to me about Carter. They did their business with Kimball on Saturday, and they, of course, bombed out the Houston Yates team. Your feelings on the Carter Cowboys and and what they might do this season in, in 4A? You know, we, we keep talking about Panther Creek made a statement against Arlington Heights. Now Carter made a statement against Kimball. Carter is really good. At so many different positions. Quaylen Robinson, the quarterback for Carter, went 13 for 23, 208 yards and three touchdowns uh, and ran the ball 10 times for 41 yards. Caden Landry, a top tier running back, 26 carries for 101 yards. So many, Caden Landry also caught the ball three times for 63 yards. Jaden Lacey, three catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. Carter is looking more like the Carter of old and is playing at a very high level. They're just in a really tough district right now with Salina and Panther Creek. But I think Carter has made a statement why they're just a little bit better than Panther Creek right now. But I think that's going to be a fascinating game. Uh, Sunnyvale, I got high on them when they beat Aubrey, but all of a sudden Aubrey is looking not what they were. And then all of a sudden as well, we look at uh, Terrell beat them up pretty bad. Terrell's obviously a much better team than Carter. I think Carter is going to win a slugfest, maybe 21-20, 21-14 defense. If Sunnyvale wins this game, I think we're going to look at things and see two, three turnovers. But I think Carter has a really good chance to win this game. And I think they should win this game against Sunnyvale. Uh, and maybe what some might be, uh, consider a little bit of an upset, but call it an upset if you will. Harold is another team we're going to need to talk about in the next couple of weeks. I think we've kind of not said much about them in the first two weeks. So we'll we'll wait a couple of weeks and talk. Now, Diggs, I'm going to give you – I would love you to give me your your favorite – small school game of the week. I know you're going to give me three or four, but if you can pick out just one and tell us why, that'd be awesome. You know, last week, uh, you know, the one that immediately, there, there's a couple that immediately popped in my head. Uh, um, the District 4-3A report was really sad to see Bells beat Whitesboro last week uh, because Whitesboro, it's kind of showing us that they're a little bit down. Uh, they play Pottsboro this week, and Pottsboro's had a couple of head scratchers now over the last couple of weeks. Uh, playing a little bit more competitively than I thought. So I'm very interested in Whitesboro uh, or Whitesboro against Pottsboro. Brock against Wimberley is going to be one of the best games in the state. Wimberley uh, has obviously, there's another obviously for you. Wimberley has played at a top level. Brock finally got that win against uh, Wichita Falls Hershey last week. So put that game at Mary Harden Baylor. We're going to have two great games in Belton on Thursday night. You got Lake Belton and ESPN and you got Belton with Wimberley and Brock. That's going to be a fascinating game as well i think wimberley is a little bit better than brock but brock is continually continuing to show that they're going to be there in december and you're going to be have your camera on your hand hopefully filming a brock state championship this year yep and coming up soon is brock and uh gunter which is one that we're definitely looking for i think pat's already said he's going to that one i guess that's in uh two weeks not this weekend but the weekend after friday after so i'll be there too is that a what, is, what day is that it's Friday night. Friday night. Oh, Plano East is off. Okay, there we go. That's our bye week. week. Yeah, get yourself ready for Flower Mound. <laughs> My man, Flomo. We should we should do a podcast live at uh, where stadium is it at? 
Murphy. Oh, no, no, no. no, well, we're not going to do it then. I was just going to make you come here and we'll do a live podcast. I can't we be played, We played Murphy. y'all last year in Flower Mound. Y'all coming out here now. All right. You can't always have us out there. Can't always have us. We, we're such good hosts, though. All right. Can't always have you out here. All right, Diggs, that was fun. Boy, I hope last week, if this week is, gives us as many great highs as we had last week, because it was. Wait, go ahead. I was gonna, and I kept you under two hours this week. You did. Barely, but you did. I appreciate Barely. it. That was fun. I'll see you out there somewhere. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Ward, thank you for everything. I, I can't wait to break down and check out all the social medias for all the games y'all went to last week. The big story. Look forward to seeing everything you've got this week. You're going nowhere, of course, but the rest <laughs> of your crew, you know, you're you're producing and crews are doing great things. Uh, should be a fantastic week. Week two is always the week you have the crazy games. Week three, we start to make sense out of everything and get ready for district. Of course, we have six districts in the area that are already in district, those 19 districts. Uh, so we finally get some answers to questions this week. So it's going to be fun. So thank you, Ward. No problem. Thank you, man. It's going to be fun. We'll talk to you. We'll see you down the road.